0: Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle and you're listening to A Private View. We're on site at White Cube in Bermondsey. This particular space opened almost a decade ago. It's a very unassuming space on the outside. It was once the BBC building. Now also, Radio Times was distributed from here. So, unassuming brick building, you walk in and it's magnificent, massive space. And tonight, Three exhibitions are opening by three different artists. We're here to talk to Louise Giovanelli about her show, As If, Almost. I'm sure most of you read the FT, How to Spend It, a few weeks ago. I know I was just absorbed in the whole dialogue of what Louise was saying and then the images. And to be standing here in the first room with theatre curtains that are about to open before this conversation starts, I already feel tingles. (laughs) Hello, Louise. How are you? How are you on the day of the eve of this show, standing in front of these theatre curtains?
1: I'm very, very well, yeah. I've been here a while now in London, so, yeah, this is the this is the climax, this is the, this is the day that it all is revealed, so, but yeah, I feel positive, very excited.
0: I sent you a list of questions, and they're, they seem really mundane, but I have a feeling when you answer them, they'll go in a different direction. The first one is, if you were to describe yourself, who are you and what do you do?
1: Well, I would say I'm a painter, I'm an artist, I I'm from London. My family's from London, um, but I grew up in South Wales and then I moved to Manchester when I was 18 to do my BA and that's where my studio is. That's where I live. I did my MA in Germany, but then I came back and uh, I love painting. I love things
0: and what I love about them is they seem to be the way we receive information now, from pop culture to television to advertising to art history to theories you read. And through reading about your work and, and various articles, I, I think that you based this show as if almost following a wine glass through?
1: How does, can you tell me more about that? That's Well, that's the first time I've heard it d- described like that, but I guess that's that's true in a sense, following a, a wine glass's journey. Through <laughs> art history. Yeah, through art history, yeah. In this show, I really wanted there to be um, quite an overt connection between historical modes of worship and devotion and contemporary modes of worship and devotion and showing that there's this symbiosis between the two, focusing in on contemporary modes of worship, instances where we look to spectacle, look to light, look to contemporary icons, pop stars, film, theater, TV, even our phones, social media, and trying to make these connections between that and uh, us as humans, what we first, Wanted to do, which is to worship at altars and churches and trying to draw a connection between these, these acts of worship, these kind of devotional behaviors uh, that I think are quite in- integral. What's the
0: title of this piece?
1: <laughs> this piece uh, is called Prairie and it's part of a larger series of works which uh, explore the idea of a curtain. Often with my titles, I like them to be to almost like flavor the work a little bit but be a bit distant from what it actually depicts so when you think of a prairie you think of this long expansive often very green idyllic landscape and i could see a slight connection with, with the idea of a curtain but i wanted it to kind of throw you off the scent a little bit but have this slight connection at the same time and yeah the idea of the curtains i guess it sets the scene for the show um, i really see this as the first painting that you would see when you came into white cube so i'm really glad that it sits here in nine by nine it's like an anchoring piece, it sets the tone, it sets the mood, it's, a, it's an act of contemplation when you come into this slightly smaller gallery space, it's just this one large work opposite a very small work, so that contrast in size I think is very important, and I just want people to slow down and to um, kind of soak it up and to look very slowly at, at this initial work and then carry on for the rest of the show. Shall we carry on for the rest yeah. of the show? Let's do it.
0: We're standing in front of a piece that looks to me like a skinny skyscraper, and then I see it has heels and glitter. And uh, Louise, tell me about this.
1: Yeah, so these paintings are from a series called Surface to Air. And Surface to Air is the name of a particular missile that's used. It describes itself quite obviously moving from the surface of the earth to the sky in a very quick motion. And I thought that that would be quite fitting for this image, which is of a pop star's legs in an extremely vertical format that's directing your eye from the from the ground up. And it comes from a pre-existing series that I made called Orbiter, which is based on the same pop star, different format, but it's not necessarily important to me ever that you know who the pop star is. It's more the idea of, of her or of pop stars in general and how they can function now as contemporary icons you know whereas once we would be you know hundreds of years ago in a church under stained glass windows looking at icons in the presence of icons now we we don't realize we do it we don't realize that we still need it require it or participate in it, but we do We w- when we watch music videos, when we go see pop stars in, in concert, um, these are our new icons. And the light thing is very fundamental in these pieces and is what I wanted to accentuate, because I think it's, again, we don't realize, but light is so fundamental in pop culture and music culture, and it's no surprise really that pop stars choose to wear these glitter dresses or wear these dresses where it interacts with light. It's like we need that as humans. It's like we've evolved to like want visual spectacle and light phenomena. And it focuses our attention, you know. So a couple of things, are
0: our need to worship. I'm not sure where that comes from. Maybe that has to do with whether we believe in an afterlife or some form of transcendence. And the other thing, a lot of painters in Northern England
1: love light. Yes, that's true, isn't it? The Northern light yeah Manchester light they call it actually I've heard about that a lot yeah I think you you said an interesting word which I've used a few times in relation to the show which is transcendence or that that need that we ha- seem to still have uh, like yeah why why do we still need these instances of spectacle and light and why do we focus our attention on it I think it's that we need something to aim at otherwise it's, it's kind of like an anchoring point it's a it's an existential question, it's like, why are, we, why are we here? When we've lost God, I mean, broadly, we're all atheists now, you know, in this, in this country. and So we think we're atheistic, but we're not really, because we still act as if God exists, but God now is being moved to things like pop stars, to the commercial, more consumer realm. Like That's where we're looking for, towards, that's our idols, that's, our, that's what we're pointing at, that's what we're aiming at, that's what we're aspiring to be. Um,
0: in this room, there's paintings of various different sizes. So if I were to ask you about your, your studio practice and your craft and theories, maybe we can move to this triptych of
1: what size are they? These, I think, are about 30 centimetres high, roughly, each by by 20. Yeah, so these are quite, quite small. I do this very often, which is to work on a very grand scale and then work on a very modest, very small scale and to... Exhibit them together is something I've always done. I really like that differentiation, that contrast between the modest, the small and the large. And I think there's something there about the macro-micro relationship that works really well. In in
0: the curation, it looks right. It looks accurate because you've spaced them well come and see the show but is this hair
1: that we're looking yeah, at so this series is called equator and it comes from a another series of the same wig although the format was slightly different and that series was called axis and the titles are kind of similar that this idea of like rotation and spinning and in these ones in particular I was thinking about the hemispheres of the brain really the left right and that's what the idea of equator comes from and axis and that's why uh, you'll see if you see, if you come to the show that they, these pieces have a a white line that kind of bisects them and splits that hemisphere from left to right, and it follows the center parting of the hair. Uh, so it's just it's like a formal device, but also has this other level of meaning, this other layer to it. Why did you choose a wig? Well, I chose a wig because I wanted the pieces to have anonymity. You know, I don't ever want them to function as real portraits where you can sense that there's a person there. I, I always like it to be just slightly off. Um, the yeah. yeah, theatrical. And also the fact that I can control all the elements of the light. Like if I'm taking the photo of the wig, it was really important that the light fell where it did, which is on the top. And you can't necessarily always do that with a real person, so it's just because I wanted to be in control.
0: I read uh, about Abfab and the wine glasses, and let's walk over to this one. Tell me what it's titled. And it looks like a photograph, but a photograph you're driving by. So when you're on a highway and you drive by some billboard of something, yeah.
1: There's a real, there's a sense of movement here, or a sense of kind of dissolving of the surface, which is something that I'm very interested in. Kind of create these instances of hazy, glitchy, kind of surface interruption to again kind of stunt your reading of it i never want any image or any painting to be read or understood very quickly i need there to be this kind of resistance there um, but this one i think it's either called i should <laughs> consumer or offer
0: now i saw you looking at the other two yeah. wine glass paintings that are i, lo- I really like the curation yeah uh, it's so clever because it moves like a storyboard i feel there's a, something going on that I'm not quite getting, but the longer I spend in here, the more the story will reveal itself. Yeah. Is there anything going on with the narrative here? We've well, got? No, I
1: suppose the, the fact that we've placed them close to each other, in the sense that it's not a diptych, they're not close enough to be read as a diptych, but they're not so far apart that I wanted them to be considered individually. Like, in this instance, I quite enjoyed having them close enough to be read as, like, this repetition same uh, image twice yeah. but it's not the same no it's not the s- well it's the same source image same root image but obviously the final painting has revealed itself a little bit differently but it's that kind of hammering home the point it's like what what happens when you have like the same thing twice but a little bit different there's almost like an uncanny feel to it like I've seen that before where is it sense of mystery
0: so when people talk about light they always talk about the beginning of like photography and pointillism and then I see this piece here yeah and I can think of Seurat and i then I think it's you no know, it's you and what's going on I love it I love it by the way
1: yeah, so this this uh, image did come from Ab Fab. It's a, it's a still from <laughs> from the Patsy holding a wine glass and a cigarette in in her right hand, and I was just drawn to the image because it had this what what I felt was a religious connotation, almost this idea of communion. This like stillness, um, quite quite stylized, like female hand, you know, with the nails and the cigarette, and yeah, I just I thought it was very interesting how such a contemporary image really you know 80s 90s can have these feelings of harking back to you know communion religiosity but then how to live yeah how to
0: live how to have fun how to have female relationships
1: absolutely yeah and beautiful and alcohol is is a prominent part of of these images because of the transcendent quality of it you know
0: it's also a metaphor for getting life right as human beings, we never know the right amount of anything—the right amount of yeah. worship, the right amount of alcohol, the right amount yeah. of codependency, the right amount of
1: talk—and
0: mm. uh, it's there. It is right there in the glass.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just wouldn't have worked without a wine glass. You know, if it was a pint glass, it wouldn't be the same, <laughs> right? There's, what is it about the shape of a wine glass? It's there's something feminine about the curves. There's something ceremonial. Ceremony—the goblet. You know, it's really—you have to think. Why are these things shaped the way they are? And it's actually far more symbolic and significant than you, than you think. So I guess it's, it reveals all of that stuff. But then you mentioned the surface and the pointillism. Again, it's, an, it's another device I'm using to create this hazy layer to disrupt the reading of it slightly. Is this piece
0: titled Carrie?
1: No, this piece is titled Alter as in like the altar of a church yeah but it, but it is based
0: Curry. on the, the shocking and haunting Sissy Spacek film yes tell me about it
1: yeah well this again it comes from a prior series which was also based on on Sissy Spacek from Carrie but the, the series I made before was the moment just before all the pig's blood is thrown at her so it's when she's being crowned from queen and she's kind of smiling and it's like a split second later it's this so it's almost like a two-part in, in a sense and it's the ambiguity of the expression of her that i really am intrigued in the kind of gory gruesome very stretched out format which is yeah again something that i exaggerated for the for the purpose of the painting it's almost like Monks' scream you know that, like this um yeah it's a very potent strong image in the show it really punctuates the rest <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you ever surprise yourself?
1: Yeah, this, this was a surprise, really, actually. And it's just intuitive. I, just, I wanted to paint it, but then it revealed itself, and I went, wow, okay, where's that come from? And it's singular. I've only, there's only one of these in existence, actually, where, Currently, whereas usually there's a work in series, as you know, so there's maybe several, but this is such a strong image, and especially in the context of the rest of the show, it needed just to be on its own <laughs> with a lot of space around it. Just, yeah, singular.
0: What artists influence you?
1: I'm very interested, as you can probably tell, in more traditional old master historical artists, so. Probably like in the 13th century at the moment, I, my succession of influence kind of move, moves back and back and back and back. So initially, when I first got into painting, I was interested in Manet and Chardin and Velasquez, And then it started to go back to Piero della Francesca and Fra Angelico. And, and it was Duccio and Shimabue. And now it's yeah, so Giotto. It's, it just keeps going back and back and back. Because once you look at a painter or an artist so even it happens in music right you become fascinated with them and you then you're trying to get to the source who were they fascinated by okay look at them and then who were they fascinated by and i look at them so, so yeah
0: as of today if you could uh <laughs> since we're at the last curtains
1: yeah
0: what's this one called we're at the this closing is, curtains
1: yeah this this painting's called uh, vanitas and it's a gold glitter, I don't know the technical name for it, but I guess gold glitter curtain made out of, what would you even call it, Like no. tin foil, foil some or something. <laughs> yeah. you see in uh, the West End theatre.
0: Yeah. You no, know, I can see it right away. Yeah. It can't be easy to paint that much light bouncing off of a,
1: no. of a curtain,
0: but it, it's mesmerizing.
1: Yeah. Well, this this is an interesting piece, really, because it kind of functions like an impressionist painting. Like, to, to paint it was like that, but then... It also it reads very differently when you get close up to it, where everything just dissolves into like a salad of marks. And then, but then when you step back, you know, towards the door, everything coalesces, and you can. It takes the, Im- form. Yeah. You step back. It takes form. Yeah. It, when you're in front of it, it's bits and pieces. Yeah. You have to stand. You have to get some distance, and then it can be read as, as what it is. So I like that different kind of t- type of viewing.
0: As if all, almost opens tonight, and uh, Louise Giovanelli's work is here I urge you to come and see it but before I uh, close this conversation let you get on with your busy day if you could live with one piece of work uh, what would it be and why and I know it changes from day to day but what would it be today?
1: Yeah this changes very often but today it would probably be a very small very modest unknown painting really that sits in the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam and it's by Adrian Corf, I think is his name and it's just a bunch of asparagus and it's so small it's maybe like 15 centimeters by 20 centimeters painted on paper and then mounted on canvas and it's just exquisite it's just so beautiful it's all about light it's about translucency transparency you could just feel that the asparagus is like divine it's just emanating light it's just so small and potent and today that's what I'd like to live with thank you <laughs> and good luck tonight. thank you thank you very much Appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View. This podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio. The music is by Koresh Adhami. Thank you for listening.